I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. And welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. Yeah, we do. I'm Red. And this week, we are discussing James Cameron's 1984 self-genre techno-noir film portraying an unstoppable killing machine on the hunt for an 18-year-old girl like a common slasher film. It's The Terminator. Or as we like to call it, the IRS. <laughs> But first, okay, uh, so we've got this one. Um, there is no sci-fi news to speak of. Terminator is one of the best science fiction movies ever made. Let's roll credits. That was a quick pod. All right. Well, there we you appreciate go. everybody joining us this That's week. That's right. Uh, Intro and outro music is by Cambo. <laughs> if you don't own this, you're a wanker. No, so actually, I do have some sci-fi news this week. We should probably right. do uh, the podcast for more than a minute. You think? Um, It's the Terminator. I don't understand what you're trying to say. You're talking about my movie. Who the hell is that? It's me. It's me. (laughs) I am the Terminator. I'm the Cyberdyne System Series Model 101. Yeah! Watch me get into the chopper. (laughs) Um, So, sci-fi news. Do you have anything? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I got issues. There's issues. I'm not enthusiastic about this movie at all. I can tell. How many times have you seen it? Probably just the once. Plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. I know. I love that fucking that fucking line. (laughs) (laughs) Just what you you see, pal. pal. Absolutely. What sci-fi news you got this week? Nothing. I looked online. I didn't see anything. I saw a couple of interesting follow-ups to the new Picard series coming out on CBS, but I think we covered that pretty well in the last episode. There's not a whole lot. It's more speculative. But um, if I were to say anything about the sci-fi news that stands out to me, it would be that people are really getting their mouths watering for the new Star Trek with Captain Picard coming back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm 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 still looking skeptical. forward to it. I'm well, skeptical. I, yeah, I'm still skeptical about it. I I really want to I really want to see what they're going to do with it, but if they do something good with it, I mean, I'm I'm all aboard. I I'd, I'd love to see Patrick Stewart in uh in Picard shoes again. So Absolutely. Buy a membership for 2 days, binge watch and cancel. Fuck yeah. But I do have a few things. So uh, it looks like Disney isn't going to rehire James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Even after the entire even after cr- crew, the, all the actors, everybody. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're thinking. Um, uh, social yeah. justice. They're, they're pushing this a bit far. Well, I don't think it's social justice. I, 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 I don't like that term anyway i think it, i saw I think a quote in a couple of articles about the thing they're saying this is part of the bandwagon everybody's getting out taking more responsibility keeping keep keeping people accountable right 
and it, it people should be accountable. And uh, again, I, I think this was shit that he said a long time ago. He's already it apologized was. for it. Yes. And when when does forgiveness come in? This is these people that are that just some of this. Not not in all cases, but in this particular instance, when does forgiveness come into it? When is somebody done with their penance? You know. Well, and I think you have to look at the entire body of work since then. What, what, how has he acted, and and what has he done certainly, since he made? Certainly, he he was trying to be edgy. He was trying to be controversial whenever he made those remarks, from what I understand. Yeah, and it fell flat. You move on. Um, it's not like he's got a a pattern or a history of doing that kind of shit. So, um. Again, I, I know that Disney's trying to protect their brand. They're trying to uh, to also not probably be hypocritical because they And we don't. certainly don't want to go digging into Disney's unsmirched past. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> Yeah, Disney's got a trail of shit behind them a mile long as well. But, oh my goodness. Um But I mean, it's it's done. They're not going to rehire them. I think it's a mistake. Uh, that, but that's my opinion, and Disney could give two shits about my opinion. So, um, it looks like Star Trek Four is not going to have either of the Chris's that were slated to star in it. Um, neither Hemsworth nor Pine will be in that movie as far as today uh, because really? of yeah salary negotiations. They. Uh, they seem to want too much money. Uh, well, okay. I thought these films made a lot of money. I'm, I'm. Yes. So really, it's not that they can't afford to get these guys. They just don't want it cutting into their profit. Yeah, so Star Trek Beyond didn't do just gangbusters at the box office. Um, and I think they're worried that giving the Chris's the salaries that they're asking for is definitely going to cut into any profits that they might garner from this new movie or make it, you know, non-profitable. Yeah. That's a shame because I really thought beyond was, I've liked all the star Trek movies, but I thought beyond was really good. It was edgy. It was new. They weren't trying to build off of the old timeline at all. I mean, it was, it was good. So I like the Star Trek movies. Well, I so let me clarify this. I like the Kelvin Star Trek movies for what yeah. they are, which is not necessarily a sci-fi movie or a Star Trek movie, but an action movie set in a Star Trek universe. It's yeah. an action movie with Star Trek as the scene, as the setting. Mm-hmm. It's not a Star Trek film. I'll agree with that. And I think that's, I think that's why they're not doing as well in the, in the theaters as let's say, you know, the original series Star Trek films did with the exception of Star Trek five. Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie blew, but um, let's get in touch with your feelings. You're right. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm but, a smiling uh, Vulcan. There's nothing more creepy than a smiling Vulcan. And even the the first few next in a generation. Toga. Yeah, in a toga. Oh. I don't know how well, I feel about robes, that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even the first few 
Next Generation movies were were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think they kind of went off the rails probably on the third one. The third and the fourth movies, I always get mixed up. They kind of blend in together. Which one was just like a, a basically a Star Trek The Next Generation episode that was two hours long? Uh, oh, the one, one with was that the, the one? Was that the one where Riker got the joystick to maneuver the Enterprise? Shit! Yeah, it was, I think the, so. it was the same joystick that I bought my kid. Yeah, it was like the like, Wingmaster oh, Microsoft oh something. God, right? Yeah, yeah, he was flying Wing Commander with that. Oh, yeah, God. it was it was the one where had the two big red buttons. Yeah, it was the movie where they were on the planet with the people who didn't age because of some, yeah, some kind of radiation, yeah, or something. metaphasic radiation or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah, that that movie was not good. But um, that's where they got the 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 new data, wasn't it? The new data. Yeah, they found a, a a a third data that was in pieces in one of those two movies. No, it was the last. No, movie. that was the last one. That was Nemesis. The last movie. That, that was, was the Nemesis. one with Tom Hardy as as I a thought. I thought Nemesis Picard. was pretty good, actually. Yeah, Nemesis was pretty good, but again, that was more of a an action movie that was set in Star Trek, as opposed to a Star Trek movie with some action in it. Well, what do you think a Star Trek movie is? So a Star Trek movie is something where, I mean, so the whole point of Star Trek is they're looking at contemporary Kirk getting a date. They're what? Looking for Kirk to get a date. That's that's thing one. Well, yeah, in the original series, it, he's always looking for a date. That's that's a given. I don't even know why you have to vocalize that. It's it's just a known. It's a fact. Um <laughs> So it's not so much that there's a galactic federation so much as a galactic paternity thing going on. <laughs> it's it's a galactic dating service for Kirk. <laughs> um yeah. but no, stellar.com. Right. No, it's it so they look at uh you know, contemporary issues of the time and they they mm. kind of explore those issues in, in a futuristic bent in like a, a Star Trek type universe. I mean, if you look at uh, Star Trek uh, two, which was this, or I'm sorry, Star Trek Star three. Trek two. I was going to say Star Trek two is the quintessential Star Trek film. No, no, not, not. That's n- awesome. Con. Yeah. Well, no, Wrath I mean, even, Khan. even, even the Star Trek two with, which was the wrath of Khan. Um, which is the best Star Trek. With Star Trek 2, you've got Khan, who is a product with his surviving people. You know, his, uh, I think in the, the episode Space Seed, where Khan's character was first introduced in the original right. series, um, they were a product of the eugenics movement uh, in uh, late 20th century Earth, according to original canon. Khan was born in 1970. And um, through Gary Seven from another original episode in a, in a canonical book of the Star Trek universe, um, he and several of his eugenics brothers and sisters were basically starting to take over the world. They thought they could do a better job, superior ability breeds superior ambition. And that's what brought about World War III. Khan and his people go on to the EY-100 class uh, 
interplanetary ship to leave because regular humans were finally defeating the eugenics humans, the, the superior, homo superior, being defeated by homo sapien sapien. And then we go into the episode where he's discovered by the Enterprise and Captain Kirk. They are, uh, uh, I wouldn't say banished, but they are placed upon SETI Alpha 5, they're banished. It was a fucking dead planet. I mean, they were well, banished. No, it wasn't dead. It was a it was a fruitful, growing, lush planet. But it was harsh. It was going to be difficult for them. But it was akin to a new world. And then when SETI Alpha Six exploded, it shifted the orbit of SETI Alpha Five, laying waste to the planet's ecosystem. Kirk and the Federation never went back to check on their progress. They were just forgotten. They fell through the cracks. And so when Chekhov is the first officer of the USS Reliant, is looking for a place to test the Genesis device, they go back, and I'm doing this from memory if it tells you how I don't have a life. They go, and they think they've found a place to test the next stage of development for the Genesis device to create organic matter from inorganic matter well, life, they don't use the correct definition of organic, but that's an entirely different soapbox. Um, they accidentally stumble across the survivors of Khan and his, his and his, well, we'll call it his family. And they capture the Reliant, and then, you know, Khan's out for revenge. I see this entire thing being a reflection, a commentary on the consequences of humanity's actions when it comes to our achievements outgrowing our intellect. Just because a person can do a thing, does that mean you should do a thing? It's the old Frankenstein argument from Mary Shelley. People are afraid of technological advancement, much the way we are concerned now about, or not we, you and I, but society has expressed concerns about artificial intelligence and uh, CRISPR technology and genetic engineering. Should we do this just because we can? You know, it's, uh, it's been reflected in the Jurassic Park movies, you know, should we bring out dinosaurs? You got the pros and the cons of that. And so, yeah, I would say that movie's a commentary on old thinking, new thinking, what we should do, the responsibilities and consequences of said decisions. Okay, so that's that's a great analysis. I like that, and I agree. What was Star Trek Beyond about? It was about motorcycles and looking cool. <laughs> there was no fucking commentary in that. Um, I'm sure that we could... You know, any high school English teacher could find some way to draw out some parallel meaning, tangential correlation to... Oh, hey, no, I got it. I got it. It is a Western view commentary on how aging is a disease, not a natural function of life. Because in that movie, they were talking about how you want to stay young forever, but there's also the benefits of aging and wisdom and experience and allowing yourself. Because if you live forever, you're not going to enjoy the flavor of the moment. It's better to go out fast than to just linger and be boring. Oh, God. You're pulling that out of your ass. Yeah, well, I, I would say more the watch pocket, but I'm just saying. Yeah, so that's a stretch. That movie was basically fucking Beastie Boys and motorcycles. The Beasties were not in that movie. What are you talking just about? Music. Sabotage. Just music. 
Just their music. Okay, well, their music. I mean, the I, I it would be cool if there was an Easter egg where they were there. That yeah, would be awesome. That would be cool. A little cameo. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. But so this long fucking tangent aside, <laughs> my I have Mike D in the background <laughs> serving drinks, right? But the 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 long long tangent aside, um, the. The Kelvin Star Trek films I somewhat enjoy for what they are, which are just action films based in a in a Star Trek setting. They're not Star Trek movies per se, other than they have Star Trek in their fucking So what you're title. what you're what you're I'm not even gonna use the word imply. What you're overtly stating is that and when Gene Roddenberry had more control when he was alive and had more direct control over the series. Every episode was a commentary on something going on, as opposed to laser beams, pew, pew, and Klingons fighting Romulans. I'm not saying every episode, but the overarching series and movies were, yes. Okay. I, I can see that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, there there were some TNG and even, even original series episodes that were just, you know, throwaway kind of really lighthearted we're not really going to explore anything we're just going to kind of do shit episode pretty much anything with wesley crusher no wesley crusher was not a bad character i don't know why everybody fucking dumps on that poor guy i don't know why everybody dumps on the green lantern movie either i own it i like it i will i will embrace that movie okay it was just a bad movie but if it was not a bad movie Wesley Crusher was not a great character. You haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet. I have. You, you've seen Deadpool 2? I watched it, uh, I want to say, Thursday night. Nice. What'd you think? I, I bought it digitally on the Amazon, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was I very thought good. It was, I thought it was great. I thought it was equal to the first one, but not superior to the first one. Right, right. I thought it was equal. Yeah, I did too. And in, in different ways. It wasn't quite as funny. It wasn't quite as quippy, but I thought it had uh, a lot more plot and a lot more emotion in it. Well, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's still a fairly recent film, so I'm not going to give away anything, but I really liked his team. I like how they arrived on, I like how they arrived on scene to fight the bad guys. That was righteous. Uh, that was righteous, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Got to look at the weather. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Halo jumping. Halo jumping. Oh, golly. That was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm very happy that I dropped the 20 bucks on it to get the digital. Nice. Well, shall we move on to the pod crawl? Oh, please. Let's do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Excellent! Insert it deep! Pod crawl! Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Los Angeles in 2029 looks to be gentrifying nicely. Los Angeles in 1984 is being invaded by beefy, naked Austrians. The governor is looking for clothes and isn't afraid to rip the guts out of a punk to get them. A smaller but just as naked guy takes a bum's pants and jets through an alley barefoot, obviously powered by tetanus. 
Sufficiently fueled by Hep C and Lockjaw, he goes shopping at the Gap and scores some sweet Nikes. He lets his fingers do the walking and looks up the digits for Sarah Connor. Scooters weren't cool even in the 80s. Out of all the cars available, the Terminator picks a station wagon? Sarah Connor is the shittiest waitress. Arnie exercises his Second Amendment rights while smaller Arnie makes a back alley modification to his weapon of choice. A Pomeranian barks annoyingly. Sarah gets an obscene phone call from Slider who crashes and burns. Captain Terrell and Bishop discuss the Sarah Connor killings. Sarah cuddles her lizard as she gets stood up by another lizard. Slider, obviously on leave, shows up for a booty call with Sarah's roommate. Sarah gets a stalker on her way to get some pizza. Arnie gets in a scuffle with Slider, putting a hold on his naval aviator career. Sarah calls her roommate at the most inconvenient time. There's a shootout at the Technoir Corral. The Terminator is seeing red. And he gets a new hairdo sculpted by fire. Reese introduces himself and exchanges pleasantries with Sarah as they take a leisurely drive through LA. Sarah wants to get a taste of Reese's peanut butter hepatitis. Reese exposes the future to influence the past creating a self-fulfilling temporal paradox. A dicked-up Terminator heads home to make some repairs as Sarah speaks to a therapist. The Terminator removes an eye to give him an excuse to go full Corey Hart. Sarah takes a nap while the Terminator mows through the police station. Reese rescues Sarah, in a gremlin of all vehicles, and takes her to a romantic drainage tunnel where she insists on undressing him. Reese tells Sarah a bedtime story about life in the future. Sarah and Reese get a room at the Tiki Motel and cook up an explosive dinner. Sarah puts the moves on Reese and they have sexy times and close the time loop. Arnie grabs a motorcycle and heads to the motel to break up the love fest, but Reese and Sarah have already escaped by car jacking a truck. Reese throws half of the pipe bombs he made and takes a bullet as the Terminator finally runs out of ammo in one of his weapons. Sarah runs Arnie Smiling. off the road who then gets run over by a fuel tanker, which seems about right. Arnie takes the truck and runs them down as Reese realizes that gasoline and pipe bomb equals big bada boom. Sarah watches as the Burninator burninates the countryside and all seems right in the world. Reese collapses in Sarah's arms as the endoskeleton of the T-101 rises from the flames like a nightmare phoenix and chases them into a nearby factory. The Terminator catches up to them and Reese gives him an explodey fuck you. Sarah takes some shrapnel and crawls over to a dead Reese, but the Terminator, who's but a fraction of its former self, is a persistent fellow and pursues Sarah in one of the slowest chase scenes in history. Sarah crawls through a hydraulic press, traps the Terminator, pushes the smash button and makes a T-101 panini. Fast forward to a desert and a jeep, a pregnant Sarah dictates her chronicles and cuddles a 44 Magnum, possibly trying to give birth to Dirty Harry, as she drives through Mexico. A child takes a picture that will inspire a virgin soldier to go back in time for a paradoxical booty call, and rolls stormy credits. That's funny. There's only one thing you didn't mention. What's that? What about Bill Paxton? Bill Paxton, yes, I saw that cameo. He was uh, he was one of the punks at the very beginning of the movie when Arnie is uh, right. looking for some clothes. Yeah. Nice night for a walk, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good to oh see Bill Paxton. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes, and Hendricks, Lance Hendrickson in this. Lance Hendrickson, yeah. There's so, a lot of good names. Um. So from what I've read. Cameron wanted to uh, start filming this earlier, but couldn't due to, uh, I think, some actors weren't available. I, I think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't available because he was doing one of the Conan movies. Um, yeah. So in the meantime, uh, he wrote the script to Aliens. And uh, so that's that's how that kind of genetic... Uh, genetic relationship between uh, Terminator and aliens uh, exists. Of course, right. uh, he and, and, and her also. Act- yeah, I was going to say Kyle Reese and Paxton. We got to play Kyle Reese and uh, what Michael Bean and Bill Paxton were both 
brought over. Right. So was Lance Hendricks or no. Yeah, yeah Lance Hendrickson was in he played, uh, Aliens. He the yeah, he played yeah. the android. I was thinking of the first android, which was the same guy who played uh, uh, Haddon in Contact. But Bilbo. Wasn't it Bilbo? Wasn't no, it no, 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 no. Um, oh, what is it? He, he's a British actor, but it's not It's not the guy who played Bilbo. Uh, let's do some uh, research, research on, on the, the fly. fly. <laughs> yep. John Hurt. God, why didn't I remember his name? He played the original uh, Android. Android. Yeah. Both amazing actors. But yeah, I enjoy it. And that's what's going to happen. That That is our future. James Cameron is, is basically a mystic. Yep. And AI is going to take over. And that's how the Cylons come about. <laughs> It's all happened before. It will It'll all happen again. happen again, right? Oh, that's funny. Now, so, um, yeah, this is this is definitely one of the classic sci-fi films. Although it was really written as a slasher film, which I kind of uh, po- pointed to in my intro. Uh, if you think about it. It's it's got all the all the makings of a of a classic slasher film. So you've got the unkillable monster that mm-hmm. uh, is is searching for you know a, a teenage girl, and she's running away from him. Um, and uh, eventually, there's that showdown at the end, and they kill the monster. But of course, the monster comes back, and we all know that the monster comes back in Terminator Two. But he doesn't come back as the bad guy in Terminator 2. He comes back hey, as the Hey, 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 spoiler alert. Oh, what the hell ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is common knowledge at this point. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Yeah, but you never see a Terminator on a rice burner again. Strictly oh, that's hogs. True. Yeah, Strictly he, hogs. Yeah, he goes straight to the Harley after that. No more, no more Kawasaki's or Yamahas or whatever. Oh was. man, and they pulled out some old fucking cars too, like the the Gremlin and that second car that they were in, um, or the second car that got hit when he was chasing them down in the tanker. I they couldn't tell; it was it was too brief. I couldn't tell if that was a Pacer or a Gremlin or another Gremlin. Then they had that big, big monster Cadillac land yacht. Oh yeah. With the leather seats. And then those, and those cop cars. I don't even know who made those. Were those Plymouths? No, I think those were... Uh, I think those were the old... Uh, or Crown Vic. Well, uh, I bet they, they were, were the Crown old Vicks. Chevy Caprices. <clears throat> no, I don't think that was a Caprice either. I don't think so. I don't know, but it was, it was ancient. Uh, they were definitely running on regular gas. Oh, yeah. The only thing missing was like the Blues Brothers going by the opposite direction on the street <laughs> on a mission from God. Yeah. Oh man, my gosh, that that was that was really cool though. But yeah, the whole thing. I mean, you can sum it up. The whole thing. It comes down to a matter of sanitation. Matters. The Terminator. The Terminator would not have even shown up if that trash truck driver hadn't changed the radio station. You think that's the what caused second it? he changed the radio station, there was a spike, a short, whatever. Next thing you know, naked white men are falling out of the sky. That's true. 
And they had the uh, they had the, so the lightning next, special effects right. from uh, from the Highlander movie. Yeah. And next time uh, that DJ says, "Don't touch that dial," don't touch the dial. Right, because you'll, a naked white man may fall out, start tearing the city up. And you say that Los Angeles. I, I didn't see a difference between the future and the past, Los Angeles. Well, I mean, so right, that, it just looked like you had the. Post Red Hot Chili Peppers concert and the pre Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, but that was about it. Right, like I said, it was gentrifying nicely. They were, they were, you know, it was putting there. in some, uh, putting in some, some upscale restaurants and. Uh, it was still very you know, some, all natural, you know. Yeah, shopping centers, some apartments. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I tell you. Did you really have to put in quarters to dial nine one one on a payphone back then? Yes. Seriously? Yes, to get a connection, you had to. And then there was uh, there was a big push about saying you should not have to pay for an emergency call. Oh shit! Because if if somebody's like chasing you and you hit a payphone and nine one one and you don't get an, uh, mm-hmm. I I didn't realize that there are a large number of people that would not even be able to recognize a payphone today. Well, I mean, I've used payphones. They had payphones up until we what, still the late have a 90s. few payphones around town and in cities today, but they're right. not nearly as prolific as they used to be. Plus, utilizing a phone book, knowing how to come back from the future and use a phone book. There are kids today that wouldn't know what a phone book is. Yeah, so or a phone and an answering machine. Oh yeah, the answering machines. Those were awesome. Yeah, so the phone book that I get now it goes straight to recycle. Yeah, I don't even I don't even take it out of its plastic sheet. <laughs> Just they they flop it on my front doorstep and I flop it right into the recycle bin. Yeah, I, I think within another generation we're going to see those go the way of the dodo. I'm fully expecting newspapers to go the same way. Uh... I don't foresee them making it much longer. I think as long as people have birds, there'll be newspapers. Birds? Okay. Birds in, in China. Fine right. China. Birds in fine China. And I, have it. I don't think that they need dogs to identify the Terminators. I think all they need to do to identify Terminators are look for the guys who aren't malnourished and like they hit the gym. Three yeah. Times I was, a day. I was wondering about that. You would think that it'd be pretty easy to spot a well-fed bodybuilder type coming yeah. at you. My name is Bill. I am here for the resistance. <laughs> Bill, you're looking Joe, awfully well-fed. Joe, Joe sent me. <laughs> and you've got great teeth. I noticed that about Reese. He was talking about how they're starving and everything, but man, he had good teeth. He did. They've got great dental plans in the future. He had good teeth. His nails look good. His hair had that prell sheen to it. Did. Well, I mean, so think about it. You go, you go back to the past. What's the first thing you're going to do? First thing I'd do is, is grab like a burrito and and, some Nikes and, and send some Nikes. And, uh, yeah, definitely Nike had a placement in that fucking movie. Burritos and Nikes. Also, back in the day, whenever the cops are chasing somebody, they never turned on lights. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> I, I, in fact, even today, somebody goes into a crime scene or something, the cops never hit that switch. They just get those flashlights out. Right. Well, so 
Or go upstairs. Uh, there's a second floor to this building, but... That uh, may actually There's have, no way he would go up the second floor. <laughs> that may actually have something to do with how they filmed this movie. So Cameron didn't want to go through all the uh, red tape to get permits to shoot a lot of this movie. So they did what he called uh, guerrilla filming. <laughs> and what they would okay. do is they would run out to the to location... They would break film. into a business, film and get the heck out before the cops showed up. Yeah, sometimes they would do that. They would they would film, sit there. film the cops. We'll put them in the movie. We need them. <laughs> it's so realistic. They would they would sh- they would run out to location. They would start shooting. They would get as much shot before the cops got arrived and and leave the scene before they got busted. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Back in, in the fact, day. the uh, in fact the final scene. That they uh, that they shot where they're zipping Reese up in the body bag. Yeah. Um, the cops actually came out, and uh, one of the producers, I think, uh, was talking to the cops and said that they were filming his kids' uh, film school final, and oh. and they bought it, and they let them oh, they let them finish gosh. filming. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so for for some of the post uh, post production scenes that they had to reshoot, he would have Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, get costumed up and meet him somewhere in the city at like three o'clock in the morning and shoot a, a, a scene. And Arnold would you know uh, arrive fully fully costumed and and make up make up up, and uh, they would shoot the scene and leave before. Where they got busted, yeah. So that's funny. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, they they may not have uh, wanted to rip through some of the Los Angeles streets with with cop car lights on because they may not have been permitted to do that. Right. Or if they were doing it, it was actual live footage of them trying to leave a previous scene. <laughs> that's hilarious. That is hilarious. But yeah, I think it's a great film. Um, there's there's a few little things, obviously, that we could nitpick on it. But oh yeah, I mean, like the it's, the the puppet that they used for the Terminator with with his skin that that was definitely showing some age. I mean, I, it it wasn't. You could definitely tell it was a it was animatronic whenever the movie came out. It. it it looked kind of like Arnold, but there's there's definitely some uncanny valley happening there. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, for 1984, it was it was pretty fucking cool. Well, and well, the endoskeleton puppet. The, the speech, though, you know, like when the Terminator's talking and everything. Oh wait, no, that's just how Arnold talks. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a Chinese kung fu movie. Oh wait, no, that's just how he talks. <laughs> But now the but the endoskeleton I thought was was really well done. Oh and, yeah, uh, it was fun. Apparently, it was heavier than fuck too. Oh, I would imagine. Well, and see, that brings me back to the fight and scene with uh, Slider in the bedroom. The Terminator's got to weigh at least four hundred pounds. Oh yeah, easily. just just the skeleton, not not all the muscle tissue and everything. So you figure. Fully outfitted, fresh from the timeline jump. Terminator's rocking about 600 pounds. 
Well, I mean, six hundred might be pushing it. I would say at least four hundred with the with the skeleton and, and all the flesh. Slider, man, he he grabbed him in that one 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 part of the fight scene. He grabbed him by the knees, lifted him up, and took him back like a linebacker. I mean, Slider's that's, a big that's dude. Im- that's impressive. That's <laughs> impressive. It is. Also, the fact that the Terminator was able to—you know how he had to repair damage to himself. You know, when he got shot in the face and everything. Uh-huh. When he rips out that guy's heart, which I can't remember the name of the actor. I tried to find it. But he also, he, he's a really good character actor. He's been on several Star Trek episodes playing different aliens. Uh-huh. Uh, of note, he did a real good job. Uh, there was an episode where Riker was the first officer of a Klingon bird of prey. That uh, guy that had his heart ripped out played the Klingon third officer that was befriending Riker and helping him through that entire episode. Uh, and, and he kind of got into bodybuilding after meeting Arnold. He got really into physical fitness, and he got pretty buff himself. But I remember when that movie came out, my friends and I, we were wondering, how much force would it take to rip through somebody's flesh and tear out their beating heart? His name's Brian Thompson. Ah, Okay. And I, I like his voice. I think he'd do some good voice work. He's got a real resonant, deep voice. But um, anyway, when his heart gets ripped out, we figured up that it would take somewhere along the lines of like 75 pounds per square inch minimum to rip through human flesh because this, this, this organ we have called skin is pretty resilient yeah yeah i mean it's approaching like leather you know hide on a, on a cow well i mean you can make leather out of it yeah yeah and so like i mean when you talk about shoving you know you put your hands into like a blade edge and you're gonna like spear strike into somebody i mean being able to get through the the skin alone and then the diaphragm and more than likely Arnold didn't even bother to try and get past the ribs. So he's going to shatter through ribs and that's going to take, I think a rib takes what, 35, 40 pounds per square inch to break a bone. And I mean, just, and then removing, I mean, getting a hold of that little slippery organ, the heart, right. And then removing it just through sheer force. Right. From all the different veins and arteries and just that. That is something that I would think that it would have done damage to the the flesh on his cyborg hand is my point. I think it would have. I mean, sure, the arm underneath it, the metal hand underneath it would do it. But I don't think that his manicure would have held up. Yeah, it might not have. I mean, I, I guess it depends on the angle of attack that he did. If he went under the ribs, like what it looked like, it looked like he went up through, you know, his gut underneath his, his sternum, probably through his diaphragm and and reached up underneath the ribs. So I don't think he went through the ribs. If he'd gone through the ribs, there's a good chance that the ribs would have, you know, tore up his hand and his arm. But yeah, maybe well, going up thinking- underneath... But see, I was thinking the other way around. I wasn't thinking so much of the damage from the body he's penetrating. I was thinking about the force of that steel underneath the flesh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I was thinking that would pierce through the the hide that he had. 
But, I mean, I don't think it would have pierced through the hide any more than just normal bone. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, little things like that. I mean, that that's the sort of stuff I nitpick. And, like, you know, when he's, you know, like, how those boots hold up to him running? <laughs> right. You know? I think about things like that, you know. I mean, he's cracking out some serious RPMs, you know, with them feet. He's beating his feet pretty good. Yeah. Keeping up with them. Yeah, 400 and, pounds full of force on those yeah, as well. It's, yeah. Probably had to have exactly. some sort of kind of like engineer And also, boots. I'm an advocate for, I, I don't necessarily think that uh, the way we're built is the best way to be built for running. And I was wondering if the, the you know, Skynet would have designed a human infiltration unit interiorly, the actual endoskeleton, to mimic an actual human skeleton. I would think like so. You would think so? Because yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, the way the footfalls and everything are, it just doesn't seem like it would be as an efficient design. Well, but I mean, so the human body takes a lot of its shape from the skeleton. So you can't alter the the endoskeleton that much or you're going to be altering the way the human body looks. So Yeah, but they're wearing boots. I mean, well, I but I mean, if he's that. infiltrating their base and is trying to become like part of the resistance right. to gather resistance intelligence. I got you. I got you. Yeah. He, he takes off his boots and he's got some kind of weird fucking foot. That's kind of a giveaway. Right. Well, it's my mother and father, you know, the family tree has few branches. <laughs> it's all trunk. It's all trunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> so, can you imagine? This is kind of a try and travel movie. Can you imagine going back into time and you know we're we're sitting around twenty years ago talking about this movie, and uh, I say to you. That guy who played the Terminator, he's going to become governor of California. What in the fuck would you tell me at that point? Because I would have told me I was full of fucking shit. Yeah, I think I would have disagreed with that. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know if Arnold has pursued any kind of formal education when it comes to business or politics Anything that would put him on a path to, you know, well, he's elected a, office. He's a partner is uh, at that level. Well, my, but it, but I mean, yeah, he knows he's got hands-on experience. But I, I think I had greater faith back then in the in the abilities of the electorate than I do now. I mean, now I wouldn't put it past anybody to get elected to any position. I mean, the guy that. Runs the apprentice as our president. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of like that Back to the Future scene uh, where he's talking with Doc Brown and Doc Brown asks, Who's the president? He goes, Ronald Reagan. He goes, The actor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, shit just goes weird. It does. It, it, it gets a little strange. But. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have totally disagreed with you saying there's no way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be the governor of California. But hey, 
There it is. Of course, you're also telling me right now we can go back in 20 years if we're still around and say, hey, do you remember when uh, I told you that the robots were going to get AI and make us their pets? You said we were full of crap. <laughs> well, you right know, about that time our robot overlord walks in and smacks me with a with a dog bark collar or something with a newspaper that they don't make anymore. Right, right. Remember when you said the Cylons and all that was just a bunch of nonsense? Shut up, man. They'll hear you. Well, if that happens, you can say, I told you so. Yeah, but see, I know you. You wouldn't care. You told me so. That's, That's going to make it all better. But I enjoyed the film. I think it's really, really good. I think Arnold did a really great job playing a side of beef, walking around, tearing people up. I thought Linda Hamilton did a really good job looking freaked out. I thought Michael Bean did an excellent job uh, being in such good shape. I mean, cardio, cardio, cardio. You can get in that kind of shape just on the rat roach diet. Right. From an apocalyptic earth, you know, post-apocalyptic earth. And um, don't ever talk to naked people when you're out stargazing. Yeah, If you see somebody naked... It kind of reminded me, um, a couple of the kids were showing me on uh, their phones this uh, thing on the YouTubes where uh, a guy would go up and pick a fight with another guy at, just at random. What the fuck? He'd pick a fight with him, and there would be somebody filming off, you know, 20, 30 feet away with their smartphone or whatever, and pick a fight with them, and... You know, a lot of times the guys, most of this occurred in what I would presume is either Florida or California because, you know, I saw palm trees and it's warm outside and they would like strip off their jacket. A couple of guys would even start taking off their shirt because this, what this guy would do. He's like, fine. You know, I saw you flirt with my girl last week. It's like, who are you? What are you talking about? And he'd like shove them. Like, all right, man, that's it. And so that, you know, the guy, you know, they, they man up. You can see the testosterone flowing. You Some know. kind of moron candid camera. Is that what this is? Yeah, basically. And what, <laughs> you know, the guy that starts this, that's in on the joke, that would start this, he'd like pull off his hoodie. And so the other guys, they're starting to do that too. And just about the time they come down, he strips down butt naked. And in a couple in a couple of instances, he's wearing like uh, a pair of underwear with like a muppet hanging off the groin. Oh my god! And starts running at them naked, and the guys freak out and run away. And it was basically, you know, nobody wants to fight a naked person until he finds the wrong motherfucker that does and just cold cocks well, his ass. And what's funny is, is he did in one of the things he actually did get hit. He got. Right before he could get his trousers off, his little jogging pants or whatever, this one guy really, I mean, cracked him good in the face. But it didn't phase him. I mean, this guy can take a punch, obviously. And or the uh, other guy can't throw one. No, no, you, you can tell. He, he threw one just fine. This guy could just take a hit. But as soon as he dropped trout with, with you know, all 10, 12 different little cameo, or not cameo, little, little video shots they did, everybody ran away from him once he got naked. So I'm thinking one of the valuable lessons we can learn from the Terminator is if you're out stargazing at night and you see a large naked person coming towards you, just leave. Don't even engage them in conversation. Right. It's probably the safest bet. Especially if they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No shit. 
walking up naked, you know? And if somebody, you know, that you don't know, looking like him, asks if you are anybody, say no, or I'll go get them, and then you leave. But what if it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger that was walking up to you naked like that? What if it was like uh, Harrison Ford? Uh, are we talking Harrison Ford from Star Wars or Harrison Ford now? No, Harrison Ford from episode back then. Four, from episode four, New Hope? Yeah. Uh, I, I would just recommend any, any kind of birthday suit should be avoided. Okay, what about... In fact, I wouldn't even talk to myself in the mirror. <laughs> what, about, just think, what about Richard that, Gere? No, no, no. Because no. those were those were two of uh, Cameron's first picks for for the Terminator. Richard Gere. Yeah, and Harrison, and Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, for the Terminator. Yeah, really. Yep. Wow, that changes the entire spectrum of the movie. Yeah, can you imagine Harrison Ford in the police station going, "I'll be back," especially if after Richard Gere ripped out the guy's heart. <laughs> and said, you know, he already told them, your clothes, give them to me now. If the guy that was still standing took off his T-shirt and it had a gerbil on it. <laughs> you know, that was a bad rumor, right? That was, then I know it happen. was. It was a terrible rumor. I'm just saying that would be... Uh, <laughs> that would, Or maybe not, a, maybe not a gerbil, but a hamster. <laughs> You're awful. You know, mice need love, too. What if it was just a beaver? It was for some low rent biker bar, you know, but just some kind of a, you know rodentia. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, or Harrison Ford doing it. What could the shirt? Well, hell, just to have a Star Wars shirt. Yeah, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah, or that that iconic Episode Four, A New Hope poster with Luke and Leia's up against his leg in a very close to <laughs> grasp. It's a nineteen eighty. Well, let's see. They they filmed this in what, like 1982, 83. 82, 83. So the Empire would have been out by then. Yeah. Actually, they would have been filming uh, Jedi at that point. Yeah. And that would have put gear in what? Officer and a Gentleman? Uh, Yeah. Right around there, yeah. With Deborah Wow Wow Winger. Yep. Wow, oh, man. She's, she's pretty now. Yeah, she is. Deborah Winger is just gorgeous, even now. My goodness. No, that would really change the dynamic. And in the second Terminator movie, since you said we don't really have any spoiler alerts, I remember Linda Hamilton, who ended up uh, having a long-term relationship with James Cameron after this movie. Right. They got married and um, then divorced. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? It's America. Everybody, if you're going to get married, you got to get divorced. Yeah, I think it's the law. It's America. You know, you got to renew the license, or you know, it's like a it's like a lease on a car. You can turn it in, sure. But um, yeah, nothing sacred. Uh, <laughs> but in the second Terminator film, she was completely against the liquid Terminator being this slightly built, regular-looking Joe. You know, she's like, "This can't be a Terminator. There's no way." I mean, I, I saw her say this in interviews, and then she goes on to say, "But after I saw." how they were doing it in the film. Like, okay, I was wrong. This works. Right. Well, James Cameron actually wanted to have two Terminators in the first film. He wanted to have the T-101 
And then also the liquid Terminator, but they just didn't have the special effects technology to do it. At yeah, time. back then it would be a wax Terminator instead yeah. of a liquid ter- liquid metal. Yeah, and so after after he did the Abyss and saw that the the special effects were finally up to par, that's when he did Terminator Two. One thing we can definitely say about James Cameron is the man's visionary. He really is one of those remarkable individuals that has the ability to see past. I mean, like I myself, I I, I oftentimes I get distracted by the trees without seeing the forest. Right. And for him to be able to look through that and say, you know, I've got an idea about this and I could probably try and make it work with what I have, but I know it can be better. So I'm going to hold off. I really think is in its own way a kind of a gift. Yeah, he really doesn't try to force it. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there there might be other directors out there that would have tried to force it. it. Really, they they saw that in their vision. They wanted to make their vision, and they 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 weren't compromising. And mm-hmm. uh, and it probably wouldn't have turned out nearly as good, and it probably wouldn't be as iconic as it is today if he had forced that. So yeah. So there's something to be said for waiting all in its own time. Kind of like the so. Kelvin universe. Ha, oh, wait, sure. wait, sorry. I like the Kelvin universe. <laughs> I got no problem with it. I'm sci-fi, so hey, you're going to change it? Okay, they're going to make another Star Trek movie and have different people playing Kirk and his brother George, or dad George? Okay, fine. It's just what it is. But red matter, really? Red matter. Um, I'm still trying not to choke on the Heisenberg compensator. <laughs> I mean, there are so many things. I mean, you know, the artificial gravity, uh, teleporters. I mean, the tra- pardon me, the transporter. We're going to take 115 kilogram mass and we're going to turn that mass into energy. And we're going to reintegrate it. Yeah, we're going to do fusion and fission. And there's no mushroom clouds, no residual radiation. And there shouldn't be anybody dying in you. You're getting me on a whole new box. There shouldn't be anybody dying. There should never be a loss of a crew member on Star Trek. All they got to do is make a new pattern. Okay, well, They've got sorry, the pattern, I get, some, get some material, and bring back the guy in the red shirt. I know, and we've, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get us off on that tangent. Let me bring us back. So, who's got your uh, who's got red your matter. <laughs> red matter? Who's got your black lung award for this episode? The red matter. <laughs> okay, that's going to be the 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 chief detective that drinks coffee, nicotine, Marlboro tonic. <laughs> yes, he's got mine too. Because not only did he have a lit cigarette, he was asking for another. Where's my cigarette? Asking for another one, and then he drinks. <laughs> Eight-hour-old coffee with a cigarette put out in it. Yeah. That is dedication. It is. That is a true user. Pardon, pardon me, aficionado. Right, right. He he knows his nicotine, and yeah. Yeah, so he gets my Black Lung Award as well. Who's your head lush? The head lush? Oh, gosh. Head lush. Ah... Uh... I am going to go. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think. It's in the club scene where the Terminator first appears against Linda Hamilton. Mm-hmm. The guy, 
He was the one that was the only one still standing at the bar, and he gets shot. Reese uses him as a shield. <laughs> Everybody else had the sense of mind to get out of the way. Duck and cover, man. Duck and cover. Bert the turtle had it right. Duck and cover. And this guy is just standing there in his, you know, ultra cool suit, like, hey, what's up? Motherfucker and, wasn't yes. giving up his drink for anything. He is not going to stop drinking. That's right. He's dedicated. Well, so he's he not my mine, but that is an excellent head lush award. I, I, that is didn't even a think really about good that, call. Did you? I no, mean, I he's, didn't. He, he's the only one still standing. Mine is going to go to the poor bum that Reese stole his pants off of. <laughs> Cholera the, man. Yeah. Uh, at the very beginning, he's got my pants. He's got my pants. Because <laughs> yeah, all he was doing was sitting there in the alley drinking a sterno, minding his own fucking business, and Reese goes and rips off his fucking pants. And those were some wild ass pants too. Did you see the pattern on those goddamn things? I was more concerned about how the pattern got there. <laughs> well, it was yellow it's like Rorschach and, and gray and yeah. I think that was I think that was some dumpster diving Rorschach <laughs> after the fact. Uh, I also thought that he should have grabbed that guy's support hose that he was wearing. Was like that diabetic hosiery and it was black. It was kind of kind of went to, kind of made me think of Betty Page. I don't know that that was hose. That may have just been his legs. <laughs> oh boy, gangrenous. Ooh. All right. All right. So, uh, and who's the, got and your the player? Purple, the player award? Oh, well, Reese. The man traveled through time. He traveled through time essentially with one function and one function only. Really? See, to I'm keep, giving it to keep her alive and. I mean, you could equally go to Linda Hamilton. That's who's I mean, the got fact mine. that the fact that either one of them would even stop and do that. I mean, when I was married, if I had a bad day at work, I would not be in the mood. I'm pretty confident. I know myself pretty well. If there was a robot from the future actively destroying everything in its path just to get to me to destroy me in new and creative ways, I think I would have a little bit of trouble even rising to the occasion. Really? Wow. Yeah, I don't, I've, I've never, that's one of the aspects of the slasher films that I usually start rooting for the bad guy. As soon as the teenagers start doing their thing, knowing what's going on, they deserve to die. We need to clean the gene pool. <laughs> Yeah, that does kind of break from the whole slasher film trope, right? Because she did have sex, but she didn't die. Of course, Reese had oh. sex. Oh, but Reese was the virgin. So it does hold true because Reese was the virgin mm-hmm. who had sex and then died. It's God. It's God. He committed a sin. Right. He fornicated. Right. He fornicated. But she has. she's bearing the Messiah, so... But no, she gets my player award because yeah, she uh she totally she totally played him. He goes back in the he goes back to the past to to save her life and and he will be doing that forever. That's true. It's a it's a fucking temporal loop. All right, who's got your purple hippo? I think I just earned it. <laughs> No, 
Um, actually, I was going to give the Purple Hippo Award. I was going to give the Purple Hippo Award to the wino in the street with the cool pants because one of the first things he said was, did you just see a real bright light? And then everything, you know. Because I think he was in the middle of some kind of a dance with the hippo at the moment of Reese's arrival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. But he was I when I when I saw that the first thing I thought of was that's my purple hippo award. Yeah, he was he was pretty blotto. There was something going on. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be blotto as much as sterno, but yeah, it was definitely there. Um now so my purple hippo is uh going actually to the Terminator for the way that ah. he perceives the world. Uh, having to look at it through a, a, a red lens and and Mac. wouldn't it be nice when he jumped into that tractor trailer and he looked down and just instantly accessed how to operate a tractor trailer would that not be a handy little thing to go to when you're doing things in the world that would be i that that's that he has to be... he has to look at uh apple II rom dump code <laughs> Is that what it was? That's seriously what it was. Yeah, I, I, I remember stopping the film, hitting pause on the VCR. Of course, when this movie came out, you could also watch it on Beta. Ooh, beta. I bet they yeah. had it on LaserDisc, too. Betamax. Oh, my God, LaserDisc. Those things were massive. Yeah, like the size of Guys, if you don't record. know LaserDisc, yeah, they were like LP size, 33 LP. And I remember when I first saw them, I couldn't understand how how are you supposed to get the disc out of that sleeve? And for the longest time, I thought you had to. I didn't realize it was all integrated. <laughs> Never owned so, one. So, yeah, the the early the early laser discs had their own little cartridges that they sat in, but the later ones actually came out. But yeah, you could watch it, and I would hit pause. And of course, you get that grainy tracking thing. If it wasn't that good a videotape, or your heads weren't clean on your VCR, right? And I'm trying to read that code to see what it is, you know. And yeah, I didn't understand any of it, and it makes perfect sense. It's an apple, so whatever. So let's uh, let's pick our film for next week. All right. So you need to pick a. Number between two. I almost thought you said a member. You need to pick a member. <laughs> Any member. Uh, pick a number between two and 101. Like the T101. Uh, like the T101. Let's see. How's about 10? 10. 10. 10. That'll be pretty fun. Space 2000, we're back! <laughs> no, but uh, we're going to see a familiar face. All right. So for next week's movie, we are going to discuss... Drum roll, please. A film about a team of commandos on a mission in Central America to find themselves no, hunted no. by an extraterrestrial warrior. Oh, Boy, that is by, perfect because the new Predator movie's coming that's out. That's right. Shortly. Directed by John McTiernan, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, and Kevin Peter Hall, we are going to discuss 1987's Predator. Yes, how nice. That is going to be a blast. You know, I heard a rumor that the original Predator was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Really? 
Yes, we'll need to check that out. But I heard the rumor that he was originally cast to be the Predator. Okay, I'm done. All right, thanks for joining us this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Our pod crawl music is Snack Mix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com. Tell your friends and family about us, and we will see you next week. I'm Jason. This has been Red. Thanks for listening. What you do is uh, you get some of your friends or your girlfriend and uh, tell them about the, what the fuck are you doing over there? Uh, Smoking and drinking in space. Good God. Actually, I just finished my drinking. It was a bottle of generic zero calorie cola and I just crushed up the bottle. Sorry, I wasn't thinking. (laughs) Holy shit. That's cracking my knuckles, man. (laughs) In a manly way, I was cracking my knuckles on my jaw. Yeah, you need to go get a shot at the fucking free clinic if your knuckles sound like that. (laughs) That is so rude. That is rude.